You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're hearing cruel and unusual opinions in Fab Facts. We are raising a glass to our past failures in the randomizer. And we're getting in tune with composer Joe Kramer. Alright, that's all coming up in Pop 238. Oh, the Jerry Anderson podcast. This is Christmas Control. Stand by. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Welcome to episode 238 of the Jerry Anderson yeah. Podcast. Yay. Now, this week, we're exploring mm. some of the most iconic and beloved series in the Anderson canon. Join us yes. as we dive into the worlds of classic shows, discussing behind-the-scenes stories and secrets, exploring wow. the enduring appeal of the characters and their indestructible vehicles, sometimes oh. indestructible, and sharing some of our favourite moments. We'll uh, also yeah. be taking a look at the recent resurgence of multiple series in popular culture and discussing what, what the future holds. So sit back, relax, <laughs> and get ready for some high-flying adventure with <laughs> the Jerry Anderson Anderson what? podcast. What is that? What's going on? What's that? What's what? that? That was yes. an introduction to the Jerry Anderson podcast. If it was unlike any other introduction I've ever heard ever. In a positive or negative way. I'm not saying. Well, uh, as we explored a couple of weeks ago, this was actually written by ChatGPT. At that introduction? Uh, the AI system, yes. I asked it to write a fun, informative and snappy introduction to episode wow. 238 of the Jerry Anderson podcast. Well, well in that case, bad. it was quite impressive, yeah. I know. Uh, we'll be out of a uh, job soon, mate. Do, so, I, I'm confused. Do, do, I mean, does it know about the Jerry Anderson podcast? It knows about the internet and human knowledge up to 2021, I believe. So oh. it should do, because we've been podcasting through that period. So it was sort of in, almost instantaneously, it was trawling the internet and picking up the podcast and what people were saying about it and what was in it and it compiled that introduction yeah based upon that that's yeah. actually that is pretty impressive yeah um, i'm yeah. just now asking it to write yeah. a positive review of the uh, jerry anderson <laughs> podcast um right so this this uh, it, this review is from our listener uh, yeah. Very, the very lovely uh, but artificially intelligent uh, yes. chat GPT. Uh, they say, I recently discovered the Jerry Anderson podcast, and I have yeah. to say, I am thoroughly enjoying it. As a fan of the Anderson universe, it's been fantastic to hear in, in depth discussion and behind the scenes stories about some of my favorite shows. The hosts are knowledgeable and enthusiastic, oh, wow. and they bring a real passion to the material. What? They do a great job of balancing in-depth analysis with light-hearted humour, making the podcast a joy to listen to. Oh my In God, addition, really the worrying. guests they bring on the show are always interesting and offer unique insights into the world of Jerry Anson. I particularly enjoyed the recent episode featuring an interview what? with one of the writers of the classic Anderson series. Well, that's not quite true, is it? But there we go. Sure. Overall, the Jerry Anson podcast is an absolute must-listen for fans of the iconic creator uh, and his uh, work, and I can't wait to see what future episodes have in store. That's extraordinary. <laughs> Actually, that is extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, other than the writers of classic classic Anderson yeah. series, wow, that's pretty. I mean, we if we include that's a worry. Joe today on music writing, I suppose you could just yeah. about say it. But yeah, yeah, maybe it's it's, a, it's an incredible tool. Uh, Gosh, fascinating <gasps> and terrifying in equal measure. 
anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure I like it. Well, uh, <clears throat> um, should we just do one more thing? Go on. What's this then? Uh, tell me about the hosts. Oh. <laughs> Of the Jerry, it may not know this because it's no a bit ever. special. Yeah, okay. Because uh, yeah. then, it, then we can maybe avoid our introduction and do the whole oh, thing. Oh, I see. Oh, I like AI. that. You see what I mean? Oh, I got you. Yeah. But I don't know if it'll know enough about All it. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. sadly, ChatGPT yeah. doesn't know. So what? our jobs are safe. What? Oh, no, I'm a bit disappointed that it knew all that other stuff. But mm. didn't know anything about the hosts. Yeah, it's just it, its knowledge isn't there, and it can't look on the internet for stuff. It's it's based around other stuff. Anyway, look. Wow. The, we are the real people yeah. who host this. I'm That's Jamie true. Anderson, son of the late great Jerry Anderson, and uh, yeah. I'm the co-host of the Jerry Anderson podcast. And you are? Well, I'm Richard James, still Richard James, uh, son of the late great William James, Brilliant. and I'm co-host of the Jerry Anderson podcast. And I was in Space Precinct. You were indeed, and also Terrorhawks File really. and First Action yeah. Bureau, and many other things, and you're yeah. also the writer yeah. of uh, Five oh, Star gosh, yes. Five, That's right. and uh, Inter- Intergalactic Rescue Force, Out of yes. Control, and other gosh. upcoming Anderson properties. Anyway, <coughs> oh, have I just given something away? Shush. Also, we're joined by the randomizer himself, Chris Dale, hey. who yes. later on will be picking a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show with the randomizer and telling you all about it. That's true. Yeah. There you go. So, that the rest of this thing will be spontaneous yep. uh, not generated by an AI we no promise. no as much as you might wish it to be yes it won't be yeah there you go yeah Th- right that's it shall we good okay uh, not, I'm not saying that's oh, it for the oh, podcast alright see you next week oh I see sorry <laughs> no no uh, you mean we, that's the introduction that's the introduction done great yeah uh, so oh yes we've got this thing haven't we What's that? So a few weeks ago, I was rolling oh. a dice and randomly selecting some carefully chosen styles in which Richard could introduce the content of the podcast. Yes. Now, I've held off a for suspect. a couple of weeks, mm. but there is only one choice remaining, so there's no point rolling the dice. What? Because there's only one in the list of things that we had left. Right. Yeah? Okay. I mean, I can do the dice roll if you want. But what if it lands on a different number because what well, when one number is chosen oh, that number then off, gets ta- yeah it gets crossed off okay roll it roll it all right fine hang on can you get the dice <laughs> right can you can, yeah are you ready yeah okay oh it's my uh, oh, right. how convenient. It's just another right number because there's only what, one it? choice left what are the chances so, is, no please. actually what are the chances <laughs> one in six <laughs> are they yes no, because because you had you had said that number six for example well, yes. what, what number is that you just rolled four <coughs> so so you had prior to this already labeled if it rolls onto number four then richard will do this yes yeah but then every week and as a it, number has been chosen yeah. that number has then been replaced with one of the remaining options so now when i roll the dice all six numbers are <laughs> this particular option which is why i said rolling the dice was pointless right are you with me not entirely. Right, Richard but James, go on. you yeah. are this week introducing yes. <laughs> the contents of the podcast yes. in the style of Richard James right. arriving That's on the sofa so of the chat show hosted mm. by Terry Wogan. So <laughs> right. you, as Terry Wogan, will be interviewing, <laughs> interviewing yourself myself. as Richard okay. James to explain <clears throat> and find out about what is on the podcast this week. Oh, God, right, so okay. it's time for us to go over oh, to no. this week's next guest on... Uh, uh, well, on the sofa with Wogan, whatever it was called, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the sofa with Wogan, that's yeah, that's <laughs> this week's guest, okay. Richard James. And here we are for some more gubbins to do with the Jerry Anderson podcast. And I have here Richard James. Ah, 
the old fellow himself. Yes, hi, Terry. How, how lovely for you to have me on the sofa today. Uh, now, uh, tell us what's coming up in the old podcast, Richard. Uh, well, uh, we'll start off with uh, uh, Fab Facts, which... Uh, ah, yes, now, I understand that uh, the old Fab Facts is a little controversial, is it not? Uh, well, you know, some people like it, some people don't, but Fab Facts will be followed by some newsy news, news, news. Ah, with a hashtag. Uh, that's right, yes, with a hashtag, of course. Newsy, news, news, news. Uh, and then we've got, I think, an interview with uh, with Joe Kramer uh, that, that, that Jamie will be bringing for us. Ah, now then, eh. But what's coming up towards the end of the old podcast, you might ask? Ah, well, we'll, of course, have the randomised with Chris Dale. And then in between and above and beyond all of that, we'll be hearing from our lovely podstrons. And, uh, uh, how have they been uh, getting in touch with you, like, huh? Oh, well, they've been emailing us at podcast at jerryanderson.com, posting on our Facebook group, and also hashtagging us on Twitter, hashtag jerryandersonpodcast. Thanks very much. Ah, gone and never called me mother. Oh, God, that was hard work. That is the hardest I've ever had to work in my life. Oh, ah, my, my yeah. tummy's aching no, from I mean, laughing. No, I can only apologise. Most Ooh. of my, you probably realise that most of my impressions are only, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of all right in small chunks. But if I have to, you know, if I have to give you, you know, a longer version, they sort of no, they come was, and go. It a bit. was gorgeous. It was amazing. Hopefully next week <sighs> we can add in Patrick what? Stewart on the sofa as well, <laughs> and then you can all have a bit of banter between you. I yeah? mean, yeah. Well, we could do that. The thing is, Jamie, I've just had a look at the timings, and we're <laughs> I think we're ten minutes in. Ten minutes? We haven't really actually even started the podcast yet. Oh, God. Right. Okay, fine. Uh, anyway, shall we move on now with the content of the podcast? I think we ought to. Starting the year as we mean to go on. <laughs> Here we go. It's this week's Fab Facts. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Uh, yes. yes. Fab Facts. Mm-hmm. The famous Fab yes. Facts. Infamous. Yeah. Famous. Hmm. Where I have a book of Fab Facts. There it is. I'll flick through it. Richard will shout fab at a random point, yep. and therefore we will read something from the page upon yep. which we happen to stop with yeah. the cry of fab from Richard. Are we ready? Yes. yes, born ready. Good. And here we go. Fab. Ooh, it oh, hang on. You, you, uh, the last couple of times I've done this, and when Terry did it for our Christmas episode, yes. you tended to carry on flicking after the word fab. Well, it's just a delayed response and, oh, and no. Boxing Day thumb still. <laughs> still? So, yeah, terrible. Okay. Well, actually, this is pretty appropriate, seeing as how this particular episode of the podcast is being recorded in one year and then released Mm -hmm. in another, because we Mm. are speaking to you from the distant past of 2022 right now, even though it's now 2023. But this fab fact is about a court case that was argued in one year and then decided in another. Right, okay. Those years, uh, in this case, are 1991 and 1992. I'm sure you remember them well. Uh, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. Okay, well, it all started with a prisoner named Hudson, who was severely beaten by guards at a Louisiana state penitentiary. I'm sure you can okay. see how this is Anderson connected already. Um, no, nor me. Hudson on. claimed that he suffered minor bruises, facial swelling, loosened teeth, and a cracked dental plate. Mm. Uh, a lawsuit was filed on his behalf, and the American courts soon began debating whether the use of excessive physical force against a prisoner should be qualified as cruel and unusual punishment. Right. In other words, in addition to being a bit mean and nasty, should it also be illegal? 
I mean, again, this is so Anderson related, I'm sure you can tell. Uh, Yes, go on. Incredibly, this debate didn't get settled until the case reached the highest court in the land, the US Supreme Court. Right. In the midst of all the legal fine print and opining, Justice Clarence Thomas quoted a hot take on torture penned by a learned judge, Frank Easterbrook. Okay. In the spirit of journalistic excellence, that has come to define these fab facts. Uh, we now present you with the quote in its entirety. What? Are you ready? Yes. Good. Many things, beating with a rubber truncheon, water torture, electric shock, incessant noise, reruns of Space 1999, may cause agony as they occur, yet leave <laughs> no enduring injury. The state is not free to inflict such pains without cause, just so long as it is careful to leave no marks. So, in other words, it is a violation of civil liberties for a government to torture someone, even if they don't leave behind physical marks, and it seems reasonable and the case was closed. But is there no justice for Space 1999 fans? How on earth can one of the 70s best sci-fi dramas be compared to things like electric shocks or being beaten with a rubber truncheon? Yes. Uh, Now, perhaps the reason is because Judge Easterbrook had only ever seen year two. Uh, Or was he simply (laughs) unable to to stomach science fiction? We will never know the answers. Hmm. Um, But so far as we know, this is the only known reference to an Anderson series in the US Supreme Court. Well, well. So, Podstorff, the question is... Do you know of another one? Do you have a defence of Space 1999 Year 2? Or uh, maybe have a petition to legally ban Torchy as a crime against humanity? Should that be on the cards? Do send us your emails (coughs) to Mm. podcast at jerryanderson.com. Right. I, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's extraordinary. What a fab fact, eh? Absolutely. I mean, a a lot of messing around to get to that mention of Space 1999. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Great. Okay. What a strange thing to put in, though. Well, I didn't put it in. No, no, is in oh, the judge I, I, putting. Meant, I thought you meant the fab fact. No, reruns I Reruns yes. of Space 1999 that is may odd. cause agony as they occur, but yet leave no enduring injury. A, I think maybe an attempt at humour. I would think. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Judge mm. Easterbrook, for your yeah. humour. <laughs> yeah. You all found it hilarious. Mm. Anyway, that's that. Mm. <laughs> Good. I don't think I can add anything else to that bizarre fab fact. Uh, so that rather uncomfortably, perhaps painfully, brings us to the end of this week's legal fact. Oh, legal fact! Nice. I yeah. I, I couldn't even think of a thing. No, you didn't, did you, no. my lord? Uh, now, people uh, over the festive period have. Uh, sometimes found nothing better to do than email us their thoughts and comments. Really? Can you believe it? Yeah. For example, Simpsons Clips 24 got in touch at podcast at jerryanderson.com to say, hello, Rich and Jamie, Simpsons Clips 24 here, and I hope you had a very Terry Christmas. Uh, well, we certainly did. So, says Simpsons Clips, while browsing Amazon for last-minute Christmas gifts, I came across what appeared to be a book written by Jerry Anderson himself called Rigor the Rescue Dog. Hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't seem to be available, and everywhere else I looked didn't stock it either, which makes me wonder, was the book ever published? Because an ISBN number certainly seems to have been assigned to it. SIG, Simpsons Clips 24. God, it's quite the investigator, isn't it? It's just. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, it was never released. Oh, right. Um, 
yeah. talked about in 2007, uh-huh. eight. Ah, right. Kind of a cyber lassie type of story. But, yeah. Um, no, it was never completed, never released. I've got some artwork for it that was uh, put together for the front cover. Um, and that was that. So well. there you go. It'll have to remain a mystery for now. Well, there we are. Fair enough. Uh, Matt Mayhew says, Richard and Jamie, following the conversation on pod 235, oh, here we go. I wonder if Jamie might like a field of mathematics called recreational mathematics. Ooh, sounds fun. A varied field which encompasses things from Rubik's Cubes to mathematics, using maths to create magic tricks. There are a few card tricks like this. Um, I like what are called figurate numbers. that are numbers that are arranged to make shapes. So I'll go with 231, as that is the highest triangle number out of the current pods the next three pods have interesting number of types attached to them 236 is a happy number 237 is a lucky number and 238 is untouchable hmm Talking of numbers, says Matt, I got round to watching Joe 90 and the Secret Service recently. I can see why Joe 90 isn't one of Jamie's favourite series. Joe the character can get quite irritating, but I couldn't work out if he's written to be annoying or if it's because the actor playing him plays in that way. <laughs> uh, despite that, it came out as the second highest rated series out of the Super Mario Nation era. It'll be interesting to see where it lands when the Anderthon is complete. Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons is my highest rated so far. At the moment, it's the only series I say benefits viewing in production order, as the story and production improvements that happen feel uh, also like Win learning how to use Joe as an agent better. With the Secret Service, I like the concept of it and would have liked more as they would have worked out what types of stories work in this format better. I know it's one of the series not likely to get the Big Finish reboot treatment, but it would be interesting seeing what could be done using the show's premise. Anyways, I hope you had a good Christmas this year. I'm planning to watch an episode or two of either UFO or Space 1999 or maybe both with my father as he mentioned that he watched the latter when it originally aired and hopefully stand by for action concert. So thanks for all this year's pods and a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Or should that be Nadoli Chlawen? Uh, it should be. Matt Thank you for Mayhew. your Welsh. That's very yeah. much appreciated. There lovely. you go. Uh, now, can I leap in with an observation yeah. I made recently? Yeah. yeah, please do. Well, I've been reading a fascinating book by David Eagleman called Live uh-huh. Wired about how the brain wires up and how we learn things and how we yeah. adjust over time. Really, really fascinating book if you're interested in um, neurophysiology, neuropsychology, etc. Yeah. Um, and relatively accessible. But there's a bit in there where he talks about the idea of uploading skills and memories to Mm, brains right and how in his opinion it would actually never ever be possible oh because all of our memories and skills and knowledge is built on all the things we already know and put through that filter so for example when somebody learns to pilot a helicopter they may have in the past played a lot of flight simulator games so they'll Mm -hmm. be relating those skills to their existing memories and knowledge of flight simulators others might relate it to the balance of riding a bike and so it'll be built on that Uh, and others still may have even ridden a horse or something as a kid and have a a sense of seat and balance and place in three-dimensional space from that so i see if you try to upload the skills Mm. they wouldn't work because they wouldn't be connected through the filter of time and experience so sadly yes yes. joe 
just just doesn't feel real enough in science fiction terms to me anymore. So even if there was an opportunity right. to do anything, I don't think we could do it realistically. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, anyway, no, actually, I thought that was kind of interesting on the... Yeah, uh, It's not like magnetic tape, but it's much more complex than that. But there you yes, go. Do, do you think that's uh, a problem, Podstrons? Yeah, well, that's interesting, because I... Well, funnily enough, we were having this discussion at work the other day, because we were talking about, obviously, as an actor, you've got to learn a lot of lines, and you've yeah. got to learn a lot of moves and so on. And wouldn't it be great if you could just... That's what takes up the bulk of the rehearsal time, is learning the blooming lines. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great if you could arrive on day one, having downloaded the lines to your brain? Yeah. So you can then actually start working. But sadly... No. May never it's happen. not possible. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. Uh, Liam Mahoney got in touch to say hello, Jamie, Richard, Chris, and everyone at Team Anderson. The Shadow Technical Operations Manual Standard Edition just landed on my doormat, and I had to write to thank all involved in producing this gorgeous book. It's everything I hoped it would be, and much more. I can't wait till the special edition arrives. Please pass on my heartfelt appreciation to everyone who helped bring us such a fabulous early Christmas present. Um, are there any plans for any other technical operations manuals? I would love to see a Spectrum manual. I love the idea of Colonel White handing new recruits a copy of the Spectrum Technicals op- Technical Operations Manual to acquaint them with the organisation. Or maybe the Colonel would delegate that kind of thing. Wouldn't it be great if Captain Magenta was responsible for welcoming new recruits with his limitless enthusiasm and unwavering dedication to duty? He'd be certain to impress the recruits. SIG from Liam Mahoney, who, in case you hadn't guessed, is a totally ecstatic UFO fan. Oh, well, I'm really glad you like the book. Mm. Um, Chris and AC and Steve and the whole team have done an amazing job on that lovely, lovely book. So if you've ordered it, I hope you've managed to get it in time for Christmas, despite all the Royal Mail strikes, yep. etc., yep. and that you've been enjoying yep. it. Um, I think we've fairly well established that the technical manual thing is quite a successful formula. So yes. there will certainly be more over the coming years. Great. So sounds quite positively plural, doesn't it? It does, yes. Uh, from China, it's Paul Hyder who says, well, my favourite pod number is 168. Why, why, why is that? Well, Paul Hyder, he says P is the 16th letter of the alphabet mm-hmm. and H is the 6th, my initials. It's the 8th, isn't it? That's what I meant, yes. He's written 6th, but oh. he probably means 8th. Yes, yes. yes uh, and I think you'll find that Paul Hyde, our ambassador in the Isle of Wight, agrees with me too. I'm sure he does. <laughs> what a pair Happy of Christmas. you are. Happy New Year from PH. Yeah, great. Nice. Uh, Roger says, Hi, Richard, Jamie, Chris. Uh, my wonderful deluxe set of the Shadow Technical Manual arrived, and I added it to the Straker briefcase I've made, and it fits perfectly. So well done to all involved, especially CT. Love his artwork. Uh, but I was wondering if Jamie has considered selling the Shadow Binders in packs of five as I'm sure I'm not the only one who would like more than one. <laughs> and he sent us a few photos to show it, uh, show us how it looks. Have a great Christmas. Ah, oh, this is said a couple of weeks ago. Hope to see you all at an event in the new year. Kind regards from Roger. Cheers, Roger. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, we're not going to be making any more bits and pieces from the special because uh, yeah. it was just for the special. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Christian Buse, do you know if ITVX will be showing any of Jerry Anderson's non-ITC material like Dick Spanner or Space Precinct or Lavender Castle or Torchy or Four Feather Falls or New Captain Scarlet alongside all his work for ITC? Um, um, I mm. think we're talking to them about some stuff. Yeah, uh, certainly Terrorhawks. I think is due to be on the service very shortly if it isn't already. Yeah, um, and we're definitely, you know, we're in touch with the team at ITVX, making sure there's as much Anderson there as possible. So, yeah, yeah, great. And finally, then Jeff Owen says, "Now I've asked this in the Facebook group a couple of times, not really had much of a response, but I'd like to know if there are any plans to release Standby for Action, the concert on a streaming service such as Prime Video or even better, Brickbox." Uh, he says, "Brickbox." It's got the possibility of being the online home to Jerry Anderson products in much the same way that Paramount Plus has Star Trek and Disney Plus has Star Wars and Marvel. So how about releasing an audio version on Spotify at some point? 
Uh, I think it is yeah. available on Spotify I think already. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, in terms of the streaming program, yes, we're working on that currently, and you mm-hmm. should. In fact, you may already have access to it by the time you hear this, possibly. Aha, uh-huh. great. Anyway, thanks for everything you do, says Jeff, and hope to uh, be caught back up again on the podcast in the near future. Great. Uh, all for now, but keep them coming in. You know the address. It's podcast at jerryanderson.com. If you didn't know it, I just told you. Thank goodness for that. Now they know. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing is half the battle. Shall we move on to some Jerry Anderson news? Because I've got a fair bit for you. Oh, I think we ought to. Good. Then here's this week's Jerry Anderson news. It's the Jerry Anderson newsy, 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 news. Are you added another newsy in there? I did, yes. Yeah, Yeah, just for the new year, you see. Okay, makes sense. Well, um, bearing in mind that we're recording this well in advance, so this news may now be defunct, I will first Uh, of all thank you all for your cheers, Jerry Anderson messages from Boxing Day, which we will uh, be reading out next week. You're always so lovely with all the things you say, and it really helps us kind of carry on spreading the word and spreading the Anderson love and the legacy. Uh, So thank you all. We really appreciated it, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading some out next week. We'd love to know what you're hoping for this year and beyond. 2023, well... Is it an interesting anniversary year? I suppose it's Terror Hawk's 40th anniversary, isn't it? Ooh, um, right. And uh, is there anything else there? Ooh, um, not mm. really. Maybe something mm. protectors or was that this oh, yeah. year? I don't know. Oh, I don't uh, know. But mostly Terror Hawks, but next year's Stingray's 60th anniversary. Is it? Space Precincts. Can't be. 30th, 30th anniversary. anniversary. Wow. wow. So there's lots of stuff coming. So what would you like to see? Mm. No holes barred. Email us podcastjerryanson.com and let us know what you're hoping for over the next couple of years maybe you want another concert maybe you want a massive collector's cabinet of toys including Thunderbird 5 for the 60th anniversary of Thunderbirds I don't oh, know yes please alright well there's your vote but let us <laughs> yeah. know drop us a note uh, if you're waiting for the restock of the UFO and Moonbase Alpha technical manuals they should be arriving with us later this month around the 20th uh, you can pre-order them ahead of that second print run for the Shadow Book, and I think it's the fifth print run for the Moonbase books. They're still extremely popular, and they are lovely things. They make a great pair, so there you go. If you're waiting for your ticket to be answered from our support team, please know that they are back on the 4th of January, and then they'll be making their way through those tickets as quickly as possible. There'll be a little bit of a backlog. Um, we will be doing our best, but thank you for bearing with us. We'll make sure everything is sold for you in due course. If you are wanting some instant access, remember that downloads are now live on the Jerry Anderson store. So if you want a downloadable version of, uh, well, any of the audio dramas and audio books that we've done over the last two years, then they are now available for instant download as well as uh, bigfinish.com. But I know lots of people just like to buy direct and they don't want to set up a new account with another company, which is totally fine. Yeah. We may have possibly a free gift offer on the Jerry Anderson store currently, but you'll have to go and look because I'm not sure it will have been implemented in time. But if it has, then (laughs) great. Uh, And if you are waiting for a delivery uh, from before Christmas or immediately after Christmas, thank you for bearing with us. These are all in the hands of the various postal services and couriers, but in the run-up to Christmas, everything went very wrong because of strikes. Mm. And we did our best to mitigate against those, but there's just not that much we can do. If If we've said to you it's been posted, it has been posted. Royal Mail may well say there's no tracking information or it hasn't been picked up that is not true they just sadly have not been able to keep up with all the data or all the uploads with all the strikes going on so yeah. hopefully it will arrive with you soon if it hasn't arrived within 14 working days after your order then email the support team if not if you could just 
bear with us and try and be as patient as possible. It should arrive with you before too long, fingers crossed. So thank you for your understanding. Hmm. And that is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news, New Year's News. <laughs> New Year's News yeah. is great, lovely, yeah. beautifully yeah. done. Thank there you. you now, uh, do remember that uh, well, one of the nicest things you could possibly do to any podcast host is to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening to us on and or maybe even subscribe so you get to hear every new episode or get a notification each time a new one appears. It'd be great if you could leave us a few stars and a few lines of, uh, uh, you know, prose, poetry, I don't know, anything like Yes, uh, just let us know how you're doing. And copy and paste uh, the uh, the link as well to all your social media profiles so other people get to hear us too. Now, over on our Facebook group, uh, Stuart James Lusher posted evening podstrons. I hope you're all keeping well. I've just finished listening. To Thunderbird's Peril in Peru audiobook. After two weeks, I finally got round to listening to it, and it was fantastic. And a huge congratulations to all the cast and crew for making all the Thunderbirds adventures come to life. Thunderbirds are go FAB. Yes, indeed. Great. Philip Murphy, I think Richard's impression of Patrick Stewart on the latest pod was fantastic. I thought Patrick had rushed into Richard's garage and grabbed the microphone. Did you really? <laughs> And uh, it was Pete, good, but come well, on. Peach Harding agrees. I actually thought they'd got Patrick Stewart on the podcast, she says. <sighs> Aren't oh. they lovely? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Trott uh, says, Thrilled to announce that I'm now working behind the scenes at Harlington Strager Studios. Ooh. My welcome pack arrived today. Excellent. Congratulations <laughs> on the new role. Yeah. Miles Parrish says, uh, Dr. Peter Caddick Adams has the life many of us can only dream of, turning the incessant dropping of Anderson references into an awesome career. <laughs> and Morty Ficker agrees with that. One of my favourite podcast guests. What an ambassador for the Andiverse. Just picture all those nodding generals. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, Peter was yeah. a fantastic one. Well, our military historian who also does uh, lectures on leadership and stuff for NATO, yeah. amongst others. So, yeah, go and right. listen to his, uh, yeah. his two pods. And Martin agrees, says, I loved the anecdote about Jerry references being mentioned in passing in official ESA briefings and meetings. Yes. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, do listen back to that. It's, it's been a very popular podcast and a very popular interviewee, as are they all, really. Yes, every single one. Of course one. they are. Yeah, we love them all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there we are. So, yes, do join in all the fun on our Facebook group. Just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons. Answer a few questions. We'll let you in and, uh, yeah, fill your boots. Excellent. Uh, well, you've already mentioned all of our popular uh, guests and interviewees. Well, I've got another yeah. one for you coming up right now, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please do. Well, Joe Kramer's his name mm-hmm. and composing music's his game. <laughs> okay. I thought you'd like that. you to say that? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I've, I just, I've gone a bit you mad, I think. Uh, anyway, you will definitely know Joe's work if you're a fan of our audio productions. From the thrilling theme and incidentals of First Action Bureau to the Barry Gray-styled tunes from Thunderbirds. Also, Hollywood blockbusters like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, ah, they're all wow. Joe Kramer-composed comp- productions. Um, uh, he's a very nice man. We spoke at some ridiculous hour for him and a very pleasant hour for me. So let's stand by for Joe Kramer to bring music to our ears. Hi, I'm Joe Kramer, and I'm a composer of music, as well as a sound designer for Big Finish and Anderson Productions, a bunch of projects that have been a real treat to work on. Doctor well, Who... You have to say that. You, you, you can't talk to us here, Joe, and say, and I've hated every minute of those productions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, you, you, 
you've done a huge amount of cool stuff and and you always deliver and we're going to cover all sorts of stuff in this you know listeners may know your work from first action bureau or the recent thunderbirds bits and pieces uh and obviously if i listen to big finish space 1999 i think that's you isn't it yeah yeah uh and all that doctor who stuff you've done doctor who's with me all sorts of cool stuff we could bang on about it for hours so you're you're connected to a previous interview in the podcast, Mark Altman, right? We kind of have a mutual contact there. We have. Well, I did a. Te- I've been working with Mark Altman since you know the early two thousands. We did a half a dozen horror films together in the noughties, and then um, <laughs> a couple of TV series. We did a sort of sexy thriller show. Based on he Mark uh, has uh, worked as an editor for different magazines like CFX and yeah. or CFQ, yeah CFQ, excuse me, and um, Femme Fatale's magazine. And so they took that property and made a TV show out of it for right. HBO CFX that was like a Black Widow stories, you know, uh, beautiful but like Body Heat or Basic Instinct, you know, beautiful women who sort of seduce down on their luck men and then you know yes, take I can imagine a thing. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, and then we did a TV show more recently called Pandora, which was sort of like Riverdale meets Star Trek, you know, River Trek. And so uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun on that. That actually sort of went this. It, the second season was happening right during COVID, mm. during the lockdown. So uh, it was interesting. I was working on, you know, this TV show while it was all while everyone was all locked down. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so Mark Altman, who obviously big sci-fi fan, uh, you and I have talked about him uh, in previous podcasts. Yes, great enthusiast, Love Space 1999. So it's always nice to yeah. find these little shared connections. That was purely by chance. And um, what any other kind of titles and stuff that people might have heard your work on, Joe, that you'd be happy to share? Sure. I well, I did two things outside of the strictly sci-fi genre. One was Transference with uh, Alex Kingston which was a real treat. It was sort of like a, it was like a procedural thriller almost mm. uh, or a psychological thriller. Um, yeah. That was for a big finish. Uh, I think it was like eight one hour episodes. It was quite yeah. long and detailed and in depth. Ingrid Oliver was in it. Uh, so it was a, a lot of people from the um, big finish repertoire of yes. actors repertory yes. and then um the other thing that i did that i'm quite proud of with uh barnaby edwards was uh box of delights the box of delights Derek jacoby yeah nice uh louise jameson david warner was in it so it was maybe one of the last things that he was able to yeah. do which was a real treat for me and i love the score and we put the score out on cd so if uh any uh Joe Kramer fans out there want to uh, download it. It's on all the streaming services, uh, at least here in the States. And um, it's a great sort of holiday thing. It's 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 got lots of Christmas carols interwoven with the score. We used the Victor Healy Hutchinson arrangement of First Noel that was used nice. in the TV series in the 80s and the radio drama in the 40s. So, you know, we we honored the tradition of it, but we also then went in some new directions. I got to write like a fun sort of musical number for the rats chorus. And <laughs> it was a nice departure from the more, more uh, science fiction stuff that I do with traditionally do with big finish. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. I, it, interesting. It kind of notes on uh, the level of detail to which you go to in, in your kind of thinking about your intellectualizing about 
music in a way that maybe people don't appreciate later on. I will, I'll, I'm going to come back. Yeah. I think we'll touch on that a few times as we talk about various bits and pieces. But when we, so we first worked together on a, on a Doctor Who title. I want to say Absolute Red. Power. Was it Absolute Power? Okay, yes, you did Absolute yep. Power with me. That was brilliant. But Red, that was our first one. That was, and then Red Planets, and then yeah, well, we did that trilogy of stories. Uh, two was, masters was, was that th- it was no. three sylvester mccoy stories there's uh, a quantum oh. possibility engine yes red yeah. planet and this third one yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go we're going into yeah. serious big finish that was with the here. tower block that's like bashing people i think that was you know? yeah the sentient <laughs> tower block yeah yeah <laughs> um so just to give a a hint of joe's kind of com- commit uh commitment to detail in i think it was red planets Mm-hmm. You you just got a cool new uh, choral plugin uh, that you were able to yeah. use, right? And you you wrote Latin choral music for this Doctor Who story. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, Una McCormick in the screenplay had made mention of Vespers, yeah, the classical piece and the choral piece, and obviously with the um, licensing issues involved with with music of any recordings of pre-recorded mm. music. You know, there are occasions where I can use music that already exists, but I have to make a new recording of it. Yeah. So for example, <laughs> in some of the Missy, Missy ones that I've done, I've used say, I've quoted God Save the Queen or yep. the uh, the Mendelssohn Wedding March, but I have to make a new recording of that myself because, you know, of licensing issues. Anyway, so Rather than just, you know, make a new recording of Vespers, I thought it would be fun to write something in that vein. And so, yeah, I went in into uh, Google Translate and, you know, found the Latin words for red planets and the Latin words for Doctor Who. And yeah. so, you know, Medici Qui and, you know, I, I can't remember what, what red planets was off the top of my head. Planetary something, I, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then I actually went out and picked up some. So I did some research and found what I thought was the best software for this application, which was a choral thing called Domino. And what you could do is they had recorded a choir singing basically all of the syllables that Amazing. exist in the Latin language, and you this software strings them together. So I was able to essentially have the the choir this you know synthesizer this sampled choir in my, in my computer sing these lyrics. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, mm-hmm. it was pretty convincing. It's certainly, I think, uh, for, for, um, an audio drama to have like that kind of freedom to write something like that and yeah. then create something that was as passable as it was, you know, as, as believable as it was. I don't, I think if I didn't tell you, you might not pick up on the fact that it wasn't a live choir, you know, the clarification of speech, you know, yeah. the um, the diction was maybe not quite as precise as a live choir would be. But I mean, pretty you know, good, what are we going to do? Pretty you know, good. Gonna do? Yeah, so. it's, it sounded really, really lovely. And so that that method came back for First Action Bureau and working with you kind of set us up to work with you later on, which we'll touch exactly. on later. But I, I want to kind of now attack this in a chronological way in terms of your experience and then the shows you've worked on. Because um, we've done a lot of Doctor Who and Big Finish, and I know a lot of our listeners are, are are fans of those things. But you, when we came to you and talked to you about doing First Action Bureau and Space and Thunderbirds, you you had a connection to Anderson stuff already. So what, where where did that begin? With what show um, and and how? 
Well, I mean, at the risk of being, well, all right. So obviously the youngest exposure was Thunderbirds and mm. the, the sort of entire pantheon of uh, marionation material yeah. that in America was often picked up and aired on Saturday mornings. You know, because in America, Saturday morning was like when kids ate sugar cereal and watched cartoons when I was right young. Too. Yeah, the, and those so, heady days. You know, that was my first exposure to Doctor Who. Uh, early in the morning, um, they'd run like the first set of Tom Baker stories, and then uh, different channels would run different things. And in addition to the sort of contemporary cartoons at the time, like Dungeons and Dragons or Pac Man or Super Friends, they would also run. You know, I don't know if they were syndicated things or things that were put together by the station, but they seem to be these sort of mishmashes of all the different marionette programs. Yeah. And it's sort of blurred together in my childhood mind, you know what I mean, as a as a whole sort of genre. And then I remember, you know, um, when Laserdiscs were the thing, seeing like the MGM <laughs> Laserdisc for the Thunderbirds movies. Yeah. And seeing that playing like, you know, in the Virgin Megastore here in LA or Dave's video. And I was always like, I got to pick that up. I got to pick that up. And then Laserdisc died out before I had a chance. <laughs> but now I've got the, you know, the, the Kino editions here in America, which are great. And then in addition to that was, again, at the same age was Space 1999. Yeah. Which... In that era before Star Wars, the kid, the older kids on my block, I remember they had like the Eagle One spaceship toy and, you know, trading cards, bubblegum cards. And I don't remember if they had any like action figures, but, you know, they had some of the merch. And so I would watch that on because I was aware of it because of the kids. Then I looked for it on TV and I would watch yeah. that when I could. By the time I was aware of it, I don't think they were making new ones anymore, but it was being rerun again, yeah. maybe on school, you know, like afternoons. Like there were some stations that would run Star Trek and then like maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday was Star Trek and Tuesday and Thursday were space 1999 or something like that. Okay. So um, it was, it was a big part of your sort of childhood Saturday entertainment. Experience, yeah. I mean, though. it was definitely, yeah, it was, it was definitely like when you ask me what my memories are, it's of that. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, you know, unfortunately for every other science fiction franchise in existence, once star Wars came out, that kind of monopolized my yeah. attention. Of course. You know, I was, I was six when it came out and between, you know, the music and, you know, the special effects, it kind of monopolized everything in my life for a number of, good couple of years there yeah funnily enough until then i sort of got into uh trek and doctor who in my like middle school and, and high school and you know in that era pro you know the anderson material fell out of self syndication in terms of at least my own awareness yeah here in america the next thing i really i believe the next time i was sort of aware of it was my friend ellen who uh works with uh or at the time was you know part of uh, jonathan frake's production company was you know involved in the film that was being made of the material ah. which had you know i know a whole other kind of um, aesthetic behind it by going live action and all that stuff yeah and i was sort of you know, I had done a film by that point called The Way of the Gun, and I was, you know, I would say probably unrealistically hopeful that maybe I could get a shot 
at you know auditioning for that film as a composer, ah. but it, it weren't it weren't to be. But that's okay. And then you know when when I you know um, when that didn't happen, I sort of was like, well, you know. I kind of tuned it out. You know, when you don't get something, you kind of tune it out. Of course, who cares about that why, thing? I never wanted it anyway. Well, you know, why, why dwell on the past, you know? And so then when we started working together on the Doctor Who stuff, which was our mm. first stuff that you and I did together, you know, and of course, when we talked about, you know, your 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 legacy, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it came, it sort of rekindled in me. Oh, I want to go back and revisit all that stuff. And so I picked up like the box set of all the Space 1999 stuff. And I picked up the, all the Thunderbird stuff that I could find. And I've been picking it up as it continues to get released. So like I upgraded my 99 DVD, Space 1999 DVDs to Blu-ray. and Good work, Joe. Nice. You got to have it. You're doing it properly. On film. So you know what I mean? It does. It all looks glorious. All this HD stuff. So you might as well enjoy it. The restorations um, are so good. Yeah, the, yeah, they are really, really beautiful. I mean, I suppose you can comment on it from a um, sense at the time and and now as a a grown up and a professional. I mean, first of all, the Thunderbirds in space, nineteen ninety nine, watching as a kid. Was there any sense that this was somehow not American of or- origin? Did it feel different in any way, or did it kind of just blend in with with all the other entertainment you were watching at the time? I'll tell you what: Doctor Who and All Creatures Great and Small, which my mother was a huge <laughs> fan of. Yes, those two programs seemed way more British to me because of that yes. switch from you know video indoor studio to film <laughs> outdoor. Yes, absolutely. You know that had th- there was something so alien about that to me you know they didn't really do that in america it was either all film or all video you didn't switch in the middle of a program so space 1999 and thunderbirds were all film they never did that switch so they didn't seem as alien to me Ah. as doctor who and all creatures or even python which kind of did that although i wasn't really into python until i was a little older different Um, different type of thing Probably because probably because Landau and Bain are American, that also kind of smoothed over any sort of transition that might be needed. Yeah, Um, and you know there was you know Anderson Jerry was uh, your your dad. I think was probably uh, I don't want to say influence, but I mean you know the impact of Star Trek having a multi ethnic uh, you know different cultured crew. Mm -hmm. You know there was there was evidence of that as well yeah in space well, I, 1999 he'd been trying to do that since the mid 60s i guess though as well so sure, yes. it was I mean, yeah. yeah and he and uh, gene met and, and i think they had very similar ideas about how the world should should work some very dissimilar ones as well but uh mm. mostly similar um so no, I'm, well i'm glad it kind of fitted as a you know it felt like part of the the tapestry or the fabric of your right absolutely like space 1999 seemed to fit in with say um, Star Trek, yeah, Battlestar Galactica, yeah, Buck Rogers with the yes. was it Bill Gerard, um, yeah. the Flash Gordon movie, what else? Uh, to a degree, I mean, not so much Doctor Who again because of that video film thing. <laughs> um, uh, but there was one other boy. Now my brain is is uh, blanking. What, am I, what do you totally. call it? Corpsing? I'm corpsing. Uh, well, if you're laughing, uh, uh, don't worry. We're, yeah. we're digging into the recesses of memory, so we, if, if it yeah. jumps in, you can say. But uh, I guess then, in in musical terms, you were suddenly mm-hmm. exposed to two very different, but obviously 
connected scores from Thunderbirds and the other Super Mario Nation stuff in Space 1999 with, with Barry Gray. Did it did it stick out to you at the time? And then as an adult and a professional now, you know, ha- what do you mm-hmm. think think of Barry Gray's scores? Because they're so at odds in many ways with other stuff at the time, with with what is on screen, and yet they they marry up so beautifully. Well, I, first of all, I love it all. It's, I mean, I Correct love answer. It. I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, look, I'm, I've been for better or worse. You know, I can't keep my mouth shut. You know, and I'm not a huge fan of a lot of current trends in scoring, which mm-hmm. are much more ambient and textural. They're yes. not so much about about themes. They're not so much about bold emotional statements. Yeah, and. You know that I think that's had an impact on you know the opportunities that have come my way in in like Hollywood mainstream films, which you know it is what it is. As a result, though, when I hear something like Barry's music, the Thunderbirds theme, or the the, the theme to Space 1999 that he wrote, um, <laughs> there's like an optimism. There's a lack of cynicism. Yeah, I really find attractive that I really embrace, especially with the Thunderbirds, you know, you know, that optimism, that march. Yeah, that gung ho kind of, you know, rally the troops. And I suppose there's a there's a certain Britishness to it. But in in my young mind, I wasn't really able to make distinctions between say the British schools of composing and the Russian schools of composing or the Germans, you know, to me, Beethoven, Mozart, Wagner, Stravinsky, Tchaikovsky, Gray, Williams, Goldsmith, they were all kind of intermingled in in orchestral music as a, as a whole, Hmm. you know, it's only now as I'm older and I sort of, you know, we took my daughter to see the Nutcracker ballet a few weeks ago and this was before people were asking for it to be boycotted, but uh, I was struck by just what an impact Tchaikovsky's music has had on me as a composer and mm. how at odds that kind of music is with what most directors and, and film studios seem to want as yeah. scoring these days, which is probably why I'm so, it's one of the reasons I'm so happy to continue this work in the audio drama world where, where, the music needs to help tell the story because yes. we don't have that visual component. Yeah. And Barry's music now as an adult listening to it, does so much of the storytelling on mm. its own. Yeah. And, you know, Dudley too, with Dr. Who, I mean, what he's doing like for a kid's show mm. with ostensibly is like, you know, very atonal progressive contemporary composition in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's not you know Williams really in the Star Wars stuff, the Raiders stuff, ET. He's mining the Romantic era of composing, the lush orchestra. You know there are there are things. Close Encounters has some more of those more modern techniques, but Dudley, man, he just embraced all that, and Barry mm. does it too. So like in the first episode, Breakaway of the TV show Space yeah. 1990, there are a lot of like textures and almost like experimental music things, kind of like what Delia would do 
with Doctor Who music or the yeah. Radiophonic yeah. Workshop would do or what the composers on Forbidden Planet did, you know, with electronics. Yeah. Um, I was talking with a, a writer named David Hirsch. Yes, we know David. Studio. Yes. And David would, and I, he was telling me how Barry had like a home studio where he would do some work on some of these things. You know, again, I'm sure like every project, they were trying to get the most out of the resources they had, both yeah. in, in terms of time and money. And so having a home studio where he could take care of some scenes without having to get an orchestra into wherever you did it. I don't know, Maida Vale or Television Center or wherever or whatever, whatever um, uh, where he would get the, the band together. He could do it in the home studio with an organ or some, you know, uh, or his, his armed Martineau or whatever else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that stuff to me is uh, the stuff that I have fun. In addition to sort of the marches and the sort of, uh, uh, yeah, the, whatever action music he's doing for certain sequences, it's also that material, that experimental, almost not sound like music concrete. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff is fun to emulate. And so, like in my Space 1999 scores, there are things that I'll do with that, with like an organy sort of sound, mm. or an electric harpsichord, or a the vibraphone with the motor turned on, which is sort of makes this almost it's almost like a Scooby Doo sound or like a. Yeah you know 50s like whenever some whenever there was like a mad scientist who was hypnotizing somebody yeah. in the 50s it was that vibraphone with the motor turned on yeah yeah and barry was like not afraid to in my experience from what i've seen and gone back and revisited he was not afraid to sort of embrace that shorthand i mean you could call yeah. it a cliche i call it a shorthand because as a composer in a storytelling situation you're trying to get at what is going to trigger the audience's reaction as directly as possible and efficiently yeah. as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but I, I mean, there's a few things you said there that really stick with the optimism is one thing and we should, well, we should talk about that, but there, there are things that Barry used that are, you know, maybe hackneyed or cliched now that the typical kind of uh wah wah muted trumpet, this is a comedy moment and the kind right. of the timp bounce when the hood's, camera hat pop exactly yeah. all that sort of stuff yeah. is so they are a, a great shorthand but also barry seemed to do a lot of location based stuff so you know a, a particular piece would say now we're at tracy island uh this right. is thunderbird 2 launching this is a super tense rescue thing where we're running out of time uh with the kind of uh, little kind of bongo motifs or whatever right. else <laughs> you know the yeah. countdown thing at the beginning too you know oh uh, you know there's yeah there's just so so many bits which have become this amazing audio shorthand thank you joe as we we mentioned there music so vital to any anderson show and i I kind of like the fact that joe's sort of letting you in on some little secrets there about how things work and um and also i mean we went off on a bit of a tangent about doctor who so apologies for that but i'm sure you'll be forgiving and and actually the the talk of doctor who in particular um red planets and what we used in that episode Mm. does tie into uh, something we talk about at the end of part two so yes you'll have to remember that for next week but wasn't it great lovely lovely. thanks yeah Yeah, very good. Excellent. Part two next week. Look forward to that. Mm. Uh, Also coming up, of course, we've got the randomizer any minute now, uh, in which uh, Chris Dale sits down with a big red button and chooses a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson story to give us his thoughts and comments and general hilarity. But before we head there, let's go on over to our YouTube uh, channel. Now, 
Uh, there's a video there for uh, a recent fab facts about when the Century 21 team built a working miniature Thunderbird 6. Yes. And uh, Quack Video commented beneath saying, I remember seeing the photo of Derek Meddings and Ray Brown with the turbine-powered jet. It was published, if memory serves, in a fan publication, SIG, back in the mid-1980s. Hmm. Uh, Ian Dealey says, I love the fact that Thunderbird 6 ended up as the star Tiger Moth. Alan says, nowadays there are actual miniature gas turbine engines used for radio control model aircraft. Back then in the 60s, I wonder if this model used two miniature pulse jet engines. At least one brand of model airplane pulse jets called Dynajet was available to hobbyists. I remember seeing them at hobby shops in the 1970s, but teenage me did not have enough dollars to ever be able to purchase one. Whether any actual miniature gas turbines that small were available at the time, I do not know. Hmm. Hmm. John Clay says, good fab fact. Oh, and Thunderbird Star Go was shown on film four again in the UK. Uh, yes, it uh, often makes an appearance there. Uh, Mike Silver says, interesting info. Uh, but Solo Pilot 6 pulls us up short and says, when you refer to a different video, why don't you provide a link to it? Written in capital oh, letters. Oh, gosh, probably could be forgot, I suspect. <laughs> it might just be that, mightn't it? <laughs> uh, but yes, do head on over to the Jerry Anderson official YouTube channel. There's all sorts of stuff there, from the podcast, of course, to Fab Facts, to uh, Chris Dale's amazing videos, to... Oh, the series of Tech Talks has got to be my favourite, so uh, look out for those and uh, let us know what you think. Mm. Yeah. All sorts of goodies there. Enjoy. Mm. Indeed. Uh, so speaking of Chris Dale... Uh, yes. And, and, ...and all that sort of stuff, I think it's time for the randomizer, isn't it? Oh, Good. Good. Well, Chris is here as the randomizer to press the big red button on the randomizer or get somebody else to do it and therefore pick yeah. a random episode of Random Jerry Anderson show and say things about it in a very organised and not random haphazard way at all. Uh, that's true, yes. Good. Well, then here's Chris with the randomizer. Well, Roper, have you made your decision? The answer's no. I won't do it. You're being very short-sighted. It's only one little button I want you to press. It's no good. I can't go through with it. Do what you want to. Oh, come on, please. For God's sake, look, I said I won't tell you anything. Oh, no, look, uh, think of it as a late Christmas present to me, eh? Considering I bought you those shadow socks and you didn't get me anything. You swine. All right. All right, you've convinced me. Really? Yes, it's all right now. Oh, marvellous. Well, if you press the button we had installed on your dashboard... That's it. That's a remote link to the randomizer itself. As you can probably hear, it's now working away at this end. I can give you the data. Not the significance. Yes, that's the idea. And here it is. Let's see. Ah, okay. Well, Roper, do you know what the first randomizer of 2023 is? No. Well, it's a clip show episode. Well, you can forget it. Oh, now, steady on. Perhaps it's not a total loss. Here's Lavender Castle with Birds of a Feather. It's an open and shut case. Yes, quite so. Lavender Castle. A place of legend, fabled right across the universe. This is our quest to find it. So, welcome back, everybody, to the Randomizer, as we welcome Lavender Castle back to the Randomizer, and we welcome in 2023. I believe this is the first Randomizer to go out in 2023. What better way to look forward to the new year than to uh, look back on some old episodes? Yes, this is the Lavender Castle Clip Show episode, and uh, I believe my rule traditionally with Clip Show episodes is don't talk so much over the clips if they're not episodes I've seen. Luckily, I believe that two of the three episodes that are covered in this clip show are ones that I have seen. 
And I think I will just talk over the third one because otherwise, you know, this episode is only 10 minutes long. If I don't talk for that section, then uh, there won't be much left. But it's nice to go into a Lavender Castle knowing that I have a little bit of familiarity, for once, having seen those two episodes. You'll remember I, uh, I haven't seen Lavender Castle in its entirety before. to the station immediately. So, it's all happening very quickly, Dr. Aegon. Is my way. Someone short Fred led to the dark station. Yeah, I'd like you to come straight away. Ah, the dank. Big man himself. Oh, wow. We're taking some of my best dank juice. It's a couple of um very fond uh, fond recurring villains here. Um I think uh short Fred led appeared not too long ago on the randomizer. Could attend. <sighs> Who's this guy? I had better watch my steps. This is the collector, or, and, and that's, I think, the episode that he was in, maybe. I don't know. This is the guy I don't know, but I do know Short Fred Led, and I do know the Dank, and I love them both. So, what's the plan? I have been unable to destroy the Paradox and Lavender Castle. I once caught the Paradox. This is interesting. So we have an episode where all our recurring villains are going to gather for a chat and uh, remember how how badly their experiences with the Paradox crew went. It's interesting that this is quite similar in setup to uh, the Terrorhawks clip show episode Mars Monsters where instead of spending time with the show's heroes we're focusing on the villains and uh, it encourages us to be sympathetic towards them you know they are essentially the the primary uh, protagonists for this story they have a problem they're trying to work out how to solve it and i really like that that we temporarily get to spend a whole episode with the villains even if it is a clip show episode i liked the idea in mars monsters and i like the setup for it here at least i'm assuming we're not going to see any new material of the paradox crew but we have footage of oh the collector guy is shooting at hey colonel but you missed squeak a lot oh this is colonel clump i believe this is the episode that i haven't seen the collector uh, i think he has a as a supermarket that turns out to be not quite as it seems. We'll discover more when we eventually get to that episode, whenever that will be. But he's taken out squeak a lot. Oh no. No, you are just another specimen for my collection. It's another very, uh, very attractive, very innovative, very beautifully designed creature. Um, almost sort of, I wouldn't say cybernetic, but there is a bit of, um, or kind of. It just looks like a a, a a creature sitting in a a mechanical suit. Anyway, Squeaklot has defeated him. That was a quick recap. So you failed to capture them. Yes, but one day I will destroy the paradox. Of course you will, mate. Yes. That is an order. If these guys don't beat you to it. We managed to capture the paradox single-handed. <laughs> Several times you did, actually. Yeah, you've got quite a good track record. Anyway. What episode is this? Ah, this is Brightonia on Sea. Captured him. Was that the last time we did uh, Lavender Castle on the randomizer? This is quite fresh in my my mind for some reason. The paradox. Yes, and there's that beautiful, beautiful planet design. Just lovely, lovely stuff. Beautiful CGI in this show for the most part. They'll all be dead by morning. I remember that bit. Oh dear. 
<laughs> yeah, I really like this. this I, I like so many of the designs of the characters in this show, but I particularly like Short Fred Led as a character. It's just the fact that he's so stupid. It does work! Seems to have a bit of a, a, a problem with, with, uh, with drink and, and food. There's a bit of overindulgence in this character, which is lovely. Oh yes, this was where uh, What's going on? Now. Roger and Izzy, they had the remote control to bring the Paradox back as soon as Fred had uh, captured it and taken it to, uh, to his ship. Oh yes. Climbing. It's quite strange that if this, if, yeah, Brightonia on Sea was I think the last time we did Lavender Castle could be wrong, but how strange that this would be the next episode to come up. Next Lavender Castle would come up after that. He captured you? Well, I was right to know they had a, re a, re a remote thingy. Oh, so like that as well. He can't just... He, he just cannot complete a coherent sentence. In the swamp right outside my shack. And this is... Yeah, this is... This is from the episode Dueling Banjos, which was quite a while ago on the randomizer. Again, lovely CGI crash landing. And this is a, just another superb guest character. This, uh... This insect-like man with four arms, who just sits in the swamp playing his banjo. We're sinking! No. Yes, we have a, a bit of a banjo-off between the dang and Captain Thrice, as I recall. Anyways, I gotta go. And I'm defending my title of the old quagmire banjo. Oh, that's right, yes, his dank juice comes in little containers that are clearly, um... Uh, just, uh... uh pen ink cartridges and i'm a dead shirt to win again no don't go is this the episode that we're going to spend most time on through this clip show we've already done two out of the three i'd say you're cruising for bruising cap which if so yeah looking at the timeline it looks like we're going to spend the most time with this episode which is great because not only is it is this a musical tour de force it's also a tour de force of animation and just just all around fun characters on the paradox watching Captain Thrice laying down a tune on his banjo and the, oh, the animation on the fingers, yes. I, I really remember this episode fondly as he tries to raise the level on the banjometer. But here, let me show you how it's really done. Yes, because he's got four arms he can have two banjos. And even Sproggle and Squeaker joining in. Ah, oh dear. This is good stuff. But of course, yeah, this was the final episode of Lavender Castle. I'm assuming this was the last one made. Uh, generally, the clip show episodes, well, often tended to be the last ones made. Plan B. I don't know, Isambard. It, it's a long shot. It's strange as well that, I mean, this is an episode written by Jerry Anderson, at least. That's what the credits say. I've no reason to believe otherwise. Um, although there's story story idea from, from Rodney Matthews, I think. But how strange that, you know, we were ending series with clip shows way back as early as, as Stingray in, in 64, and yet here's Anderson, 25 years later, still ending shows with, with clip show episodes. And I don't know... It's, it's interesting. I've always found the idea of the clip show the idea of it more interesting than the actual execution at times. The the way that looking back at old episodes would have appealed to viewers back in the 60s in the pre-VHS era compared to when this was shown in the late 90s. Gentlemen, I suppose it's still fun to see all these these guys get together. Save Lavender Castle. Again, very similar to the end of Mars Monsters, they're all raising a glass to uh, to toast their new 
union of evil. Shall find the lavender castle. Oh, here comes a Flee the parrot and flush out the lavatory. Ah, that's it. That's a great last line for the character to go out on. But of course, as the uh, the evil foursome sip their drinks, we will be vigilant. Yes. Scanning the space skies. Oh yes. Never missing so much as a glimpse. Very observant, very vigilant. They just passed Lavender Castle, the uh, the music might clue you in. Uh, very interesting note on which to end the series. Was there a reason that Lavender Castle presented itself at, at that point to be noticed by nobody? I guess we'll never know because that was the end of the series. So all in all, um, I mean, we've still got plenty more Lavender Castle episodes to go on the randomizer, thank goodness, because this has been a, a, real, a real nice discovery for me going through this. I'm glad we've got more to look at, and this, all in all, is a, a fun little clip show episode. It's only ten minutes long, so I can't really say too much about it, but a fun look back at some strong episodes, including one that I haven't yet seen, and uh, just how lovely to see all these wonderfully evil, naughty villains come together and uh, celebrate the fact that they're all basically useless. Good stuff. Ah, the lovely sweet world of Lavender Castle. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's it a is shame very sweet. it's one of the less available ones, but um, yeah, we yeah. always try and get around that. But uh, yeah, yet yeah. to have any success with uh, yeah. DreamWorks, who have the rights to it currently. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sure. uh, yeah. there'll be more soon. More uh, randomizer stuff. Could be Lavender Excellent. Castle next week. Could be something else. Could be. It's random. Yes. Thank you for describing how random works. Thank you. Well, sometimes people aren't sure, and I yeah, but that's what you said to me last night, last week, and you got all haughty about it because oh, I said I? it might be another space break. You said, "Well, thank you." Oh, okay. I forgot. Yes, so I forgot I was how just haughty I giving got. Giving as good as I got. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, that's fine. Have you got anything else? No. In which case, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to episode yes. two hundred and thirty-eight of the Jerry Anson podcast. Yeah, well, that's well, right. Yeah, we oh. hope that you enjoyed exploring the worlds of these classic shows with oh, us. And if you like what you heard, don't yeah. forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast what? because your support what? helps us bring even more in-depth discussions and behind-the-scenes stories about the Anderson <laughs> universe. We've got more exciting episodes coming up so yeah. make sure to stay tuned for more <laughs> yeah. high-flying adventures with the Jerry wow. Anderson podcast and as always keep an eye on the skies I mean we've, oh. we've never said keep an eye on the skies no, but we should do so I've got no idea why we started saying that but basically that was the the outro as written by Chad yeah Dignity. I can tell I can tell but I love that keep an eye on the skies yeah okay, let's start well, using that okay fine Okay. Okay. Well, Ready? that's it then, isn't it? So until next week. Until next week. Keep, keep, an, keep an, eye an eye on the, on the skies. Keep an eye on the skies. Oh yeah, I can see why we don't do it. Now. Oh, pants. Right. Okay. <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Bye. Stage one complete. Let's go. Keep an eye on the skies. <laughs> it's, it's clever, though, isn't it? But it, it loves... I, I love the phrase that all the behind-the-scenes stuff...
Yeah, well, we do, but we do have those. That's true. I know. Yeah, facts. it's clever. It's very clever. Well, yeah. So, um, yeah. Why don't you get it to say something about Fab Facts? Okay. Well, what? Well, like something good or something bad? No, just tell me about the Fab Facts section of the Jerry Amson podcast. I think that might be too specific for us. Oh. Um, oh. Facts section of. Because I'd love to hear what it thinks. Jerry Anderson podcast. Um. <clears throat> It's thinking, I have a feeling it won't know. Yes. This is too niche knowledge based. Yes, of course. It's thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's more than I'm doing. It's still thinking. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't know. No. no. Doesn't, okay. Sorry. Uh, ha- how about yeah. um, write me an idea for what to talk <laughs> about at the end of the Jerry oh, Anderson podcast? That's a great idea. Because, you know, sometimes we have Because you've to, got nothing, yeah. I, well, you know, we normally yeah. just ad-lib something. Yeah. But I'm I'm struggling right now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so um, get the AI to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just yeah. just hang on while it thinks about it for a moment. I was thinking again, is it? <sighs> is it going to... It's probably going to mention something about behind the scenes and, uh, you know, classic series and things. Yeah. No, I mean, this uh, this shows that it really doesn't know anything about the podcast. It's never listened before, has so, it? No. Well, That's what we've discussed. So, basically, an idea for the end of the Joe Anson podcast could be a segment called Fan Mail, um, <laughs> where the yeah. hosts read and yeah. respond to list- listener questions and feedback. Okay. This could be a fun way for the host to interact with the audience and uh, yeah. for listeners to feel more connected to the show. Fair In enough. this segment, the host could answer questions about the Anderson universe, share their own thoughts and opinions on Behind different the aspects scenes. of the shows, or yeah. offer recommendations for related content. They could also highlight and respond to comments and suggestions from listeners. This segment could be an opportunity for the host to share any news or updates on the Jerry Anderson community, wow. such as upcoming events or merchandise. Overall, fan mail could be a fun and engaging way to end each episode and give listeners a chance to be part of the show but we do that in every show yeah. in between yeah, every yeah, segment yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah that's right yeah, you do. know chat GPT. <laughs> exactly i like the idea of having a fan mail section at the end after the closing titles yeah. of the podcast when no one's listening yeah great anyway that's, okay so that's well i think that. we've discovered its limitations haven't we its limitations are um legion and multifarious yeah, well apparently. just wait so, till it discovers our limitations well let's not go into that Don't um, go in trouble i'll just ask it now um hmm. what are the limitations of the <laughs> no let's not do that it's too dangerous okay <laughs> goodbye bye now bye you have been listening to the jerry anderson podcast wasn't it fun You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.